this morning. Um, if you look at the front, it says table, bowls and cages. If you remember, we are this year kind of looking at the prophetic word that Jenny had about tables, bowls and cages. Tables was about, you know, the four legs of commitment and, and the other three, which I can't quite remember. And the bowls, you know, there were spiritual gifts in there and the Holy Spirit, etc. And we've done those two series. And so this is the third of three series that we're doing in response to that prophetic word. And in it, it spoke about cages. That actually there were people who either were in cages because there was one area of their life that was so dominant that it felt like they were in a cage. Or maybe there were areas of their life that were in a cage. There were areas of behavior or thinking where people were, in a sense, in a cage. The enemy had them locked up in that area of their life. And so over the next number of weeks, we're going to do a kind of third mini-series in this overall series, which I suppose comes out of um, a teaching all around battle for the mind. Um, so we are carrying on this bowls, table, cages series. And the third one, really, we're looking at, I suppose, the battle for the mind which is where, if we're going to be free of things, we kind of have to start and look. Does everybody get that? So it's still part of the overall series, but this one particularly we're looking at different aspects of this thing about battle for the mind. And as I say, it was important. Some, for some people, they were in a cage. But for some people, it was an area of their life. It was an area of their behavior. It was an area of their thinking that, in a sense, was, was in a cage and needed to be set free. So I'm kicking off this, if you like, mini-series within the bigger series, and we're looking at God's promise, a new way of thinking. So when it says 11 on the front, that's not a misprint. It's the 11th preach in this overall big series, but it's the first one in terms of kind of battle for the mind. Let me pray, and then we'll get into it. Lord Jesus, we thank you for your kindness and your goodness to us. We thank you for even in those two testimonies uh, that you open the door, uh, not only for opportunities to witness and share you, but also you care about us and heal our bodies and you heal our hearts, heal our mind. You want us to think right and to act right and to be right. And so we pray this morning uh, through what's going to be shared from your word that you would set us free in any area of our thinking where we, our thoughts don't line up to your thoughts. So we say, Holy Spirit, would you be very active? We, we want you to be active as you have been already among us this morning, shining truth into any dark areas of our hearts or our minds because you want us to be free of these things. We pray that in Jesus' precious name. Amen. Okay, so uh, God's promise a new way of thinking. God's word promises that our minds can be transformed. We, we can actually change how we think and therefore change our behavior. Genuine transformation. It's, it's not going to be easy. It may not be instant, but it is possible. See, the amazing news is that if you're a Christian here, the moment you became a Christian, some amazing fundamental things happened in your life. Whether or not you were aware of them is slightly irrelevant. Fundamentally and legally, things changed. Right at the root of who you are, 
you are different. It's why the Bible explains it to us. Look, it's like you were born again. That's the way the Bible kind of best says. It's like you were born again. It's like you started all over again. And if you look at the different world religions, they promise you lots of things. But only the Bible kind of promises that right there on that moment of conversion, that moment of salvation, you are fundamentally changed forever. The Bible says that you're saved. says you have peace with God. says your eternal destiny is set now and it will never change between now and when Jesus gets you there. says your sins are totally forgiven. All the ones that you have done, all the ones that you are currently doing, all the ones that you're going to do, you're, they're all forgiven. The Bible says you are a new creation. You are a child of God. This is good news, by the way. This is the good news part. My encouragement to you is to enjoy it while you can. It says, says you have a new heart. It says you've got a new beginning in an instant. You're not trying to become something. It's what you are. So upon conversion, there are some things that are instant, these wonderful things that we become. We're not trying to become them. We become them because God says this is now who we are. But also, when we read the Bible, we see that there are some things that we don't get at conversion. We don't, for example, get a new body. One day there is, I know it's hard to believe that I would need this, but there is... There is a new body waiting for me in heaven. And it's even better than the one that I have now. This, I know, I know it's true. <laughs> this one is wearing out and failing and going grey and doing all other things that it shouldn't do sometimes. And it's only going to get worse. But in a way, that's okay. Because in heaven, there is a new body for me. And when I put that one on, it will be perfect and I'll never take it off again. So some things are instant, and some things, the Bible says, you have to wait for. They're, they're stored for you. They're safe, but you're not going to get them now. And then, as we read the Bible, there are some things that the Bible says are not instant, and neither are they reserved for some time, but they are gradual. They are gradual. So, for example, maturity Maturity has a sense of a, t a, a time over it, a process about it. Maturity comes with time. You want to get a good whiskey, a good wine, you put it in the barrel, you leave it alone. You let it mature. You can't have instant maturity. You can have instant coffee, but you can't have instant maturity. In life, it comes through knocks and disappointments and picking yourself up again and making good choices and sometimes making bad choices and then thinking, I won't do that again. That's how maturity comes. Sanctification is another one. Becoming more like God. It doesn't happen. In, when you and I got saved, we didn't get perfect in that moment, did we? It just didn't happen. And you can't pray for people. Sanctify, 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 sanctify. Oh, they are. Oh, that's wonderful. Sanctify. Oh, I am. How wonderful. It just doesn't happen instantly. It happens over a gradual process. And it's into this third category. Not instant, not reserved, but gradual that the whole thing of transforming the mind, transforming how we think, fits. When you and I were saved, if you're saved here this morning, we didn't wake up the next morning and think totally different about everything. Some of our thinking might have changed, and some of our thinking in some areas might have changed, but not everything in our thinking 
changed. And the title of this mini-series is Battle for the Mind because changing how we think is going to take some time because it's a process and it is a battle. What is the most popular show on TV right now? Game of Thrones. Most popular. Now, I'm not saying you should watch it. I'm not saying you shouldn't watch it. I'm just saying the fact. It is the most popular show on TV. And it's the story of people who are battling for control of their own kingdom against other people in their kingdom who would seek to take control of it. And then how does that kingdom fight against all the other kingdoms that are attacking it and trying to take control of it? The fight for control between kingdoms is at the heart of the story. And that appeals to people because actually at the very center of the heart of humanity is a battle. is a battle between two kingdoms. And actually in the Old Testament, under all the various covenants, the people of God had to fight physically for their own kingdom. And they had to fight physically for the other kingdoms who were trying to wipe them out. It's why when people say, why are there so many law wars in the Old Testament? It's because the kingdom of God was physically under threat from within and from without. And so the people of God had to physically fight to go and take the ground that God had given them. I'm giving you this land, now go in and fight and take it. They had to fight physically to go in and take the land, and then they had to fight physically when the enemies of the people of God came and tried to kick them out. But as we come to the New Testament and the New Covenant, the one that you and I, if you're a Christian, get to live under, the greatest one, because Jesus paid with it with his own blood, listen to me, the battleground has changed. The battle hasn't changed. The battle is still between the same two kingdoms. But the battleground, the arena which the battle is fought has changed. Once there was a fight and it was primarily physical. Now there is a fight, but it is primarily spiritual. We are no longer generally called as Christians to fight with swords over physical ground. You see how good I'd be at sword fighting, wouldn't you? <laughs> but we are called to fight with spiritual weapons like prayer and like the word of God over the spiritual ground in our lives and in the lives of other people. Do you get that? The enemy is the same. The, the two kingdoms are the same. God is still fighting with the enemy, the devil. Good is still fighting against evil. Light is still fighting against darkness. But the arena has changed. The, the weapons that we fight with has changed. And now we're in a spiritual battle. The weapons we fight with are spiritual weapons and the fiercest piece of battleground is the ground between our two ears. This is where the battle rages. It's this, it's this few inches between our right ear and our left ear that the fiercest battle is fought. It's here. It's in this bit. It's the battle for how we think. Because we can't engage in a spiritual battle unless we understand that this is how God has called us to fight and we understand how God is wanting us to change how we think. I didn't put it in your notes, but I felt God remind me of this verse earlier. You can make a note with it in a pen or just have a listen to it. 
but it's in 2 Corinthians 10, verse 3 to 5, says this, For though we live in the world, we do not wage war as the world does. The weapons we fight with are not the weapons of the world. On the contrary, they have divine power to demolish strongholds, which could be another word for demolish cages. We demolish every argument and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God, and we take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. Where is the battleground? It's in our head. Every thought we need to fight to make it obedient to Christ. And every thought that comes in here that sets itself up against the knowledge of God, every thought that comes in here which is a lie about who God is or what he wants to do, we need to demolish it. The battleground is between our right ear and our left ear. So let's, let's think about how we were, how our mind was before we were saved, when we got saved, and now looking forward. Because I think that if we're going to understand this whole idea of having our minds renewed and our thinking transformed, we have to understand what our mind was like before we were saved. And the Bible has some pretty straight things to say about it. So, for example, in Romans 1 verse 28, it says our minds were depraved. Further, just as they did not think it worthwhile to retain the knowledge of God, so God gave them over to a depraved mind so that they do what ought not to be done. That word depraved or debased in some translations, it's a strong word. It's, a, it's not a very nice word. It's fundamentally saying that when people don't acknowledge or follow God, he gives them over. He fundamentally gives them over and says, okay, will you crack on and do all the things that I don't want you to do that aren't good for you, but I will give you over. I will let you do it. It's one of the most scariest judgments that there is. But we live in a society today refusing to acknowledge and follow God. And in some ways, God is giving people over. He says, okay, will you crack on then? You carry on and follow those sinful desires of your depraved heart. The Bible says in 2 Corinthians 4, to verse 3 and 4, it says that our minds were veiled, were blinded. It says, and even if our gospel is veiled, it's veiled to those who are perishing. The God of this age has blinded, now the God of this age is Satan, not our God. The God of this age has blinded the minds of unbelievers. So they can't see the light of the gospel that displays the glory of Christ, who is the image of God. Our minds, before we're saved, are described as being veiled, as being blinded. The enemy has blinded our minds. And in some sense, our pride kicks into this because we say, like our forefather Adam and Eve, I don't need God. I don't need this gospel. Did God really say? Is God really going to follow through on those things that he said? We don't, we don't know this at the time. We, we don't know that our thinking is actually under the control of Satan. But that's the truth. That's how the Bible says we are. Now, I don't know about you, but I don't find these verses very easy to hear. It's a graphic description of how our minds function before we were saved. Before we're Christians, our thinking is under the enemy control. Before we saved, our minds are active, but the Bible says you, your minds were futile. They were ignorant. 
The Bible teaches before we're saved, our thinking is the devil's territory. Whether we knew it or not, whether we acknowledge it or not, whether we even wanted it to be so or not, it was. Our thinking was his land. It was his landing strip. And he's not going to give up this land without a fight. Which is why this part of the series is called Battle for the Mind. The truth is that the devil can't snatch you out of Christ, but he can make you and I ineffective. And the best way to make you and I ineffective is to fight to keep us thinking the same way that we thought before we were saved. Do you understand that? If we thought like this before we were saved, and if it doesn't change instantly when we get saved, the best way for the devil to keep us ineffective is simply to keep us thinking how we thought before we were saved. Because we thought we were veiled, we were depraved, etc., etc., etc. And maybe this helps us to understand why many Christians struggle even maybe years after being saved. Maybe it's because their thinking hasn't changed. So if you like, that's what we were like before we were saved. That is the bad news. Let's move on, think about, so how are we now in Christ? You see, when we're saved, our mind is free for the first time to start to think how God thinks. For the very first time, it's like light shines into the darkness. It's like when we say, for the first time, we thought the light was on and we were free thinkers, but we weren't, we were in darkness. But the moment we get saved, it's like suddenly the light goes on. The light starts to penetrate our thinking. The veil, the curtain, the blind gets lifted and we can actually begin to see the truth and we can understand the truth. And the Bible says that it's that truth that we suddenly are able to see that can set us free. So listen to these verses in 2 Corinthians verse 3. It says, We are not like Moses, who would put a veil over his face to prevent the Israelites from seeing the end of what was passing away. But their minds were made dull, for to this day the same veil remains when the old covenant is read. It has not been removed because only in Christ is it taken away. Even to this day, when Moses is read, when the Old Testament law is read, when it's read that you can get right with God through obeying the law, it says a veil covers their hearts. But whenever anyone turns to the Lord, the veil is taken away. Now the Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. And we all who with unveiled faces contemplate the Lord's glory are being transformed into his image with ever-increasing glory which comes from the Lord who is the Spirit. Paul saying, look, if their minds were hardened, the veil was not lifted. And so even today you can read the Old Testament laws and covenants and it won't lift the veil. They still won't be able to understand truth because that only gets taken away in Jesus. It's when people put their faith in Jesus that the veil gets removed, that light begins to shine into their hearts. 
So when you and I got born again, light and truth for the first time began to penetrate our thinking. When we got saved, we were free to think as God created us to think. To think differently from the world who is having their thoughts conformed and moulded. The moment we're saved, the land, the territory, the ground of our thinking, this precious piece of area between our right ear and our left ear went from being under the control of the devil to being under the control of Jesus Christ. Our thinking has a new owner and his name is Jesus Christ. Do you follow that? And so now, if you like, from that moment of salvation, the changeover begins. And I suppose that's what we want to look at through this series. This theological truth that Jesus is the Lord of our minds, no longer Satan, but Satan refuses to accept or acknowledge this. He still thinks it's his. He still thinks that he can control you by controlling how you think. And the truth is that Christians who are passive with the renewing of their mind will see little change in their thinking or their behaviour. I wish this wasn't true, but after 18 years pastoring a church, I believe it is true. It's only when we realise that there is ground that needs to be taken back. It's only when we realise that maybe after years and years of wrong thinking that need to be changed and there's an ongoingness to this battle that I think Christians actually get active and begin to, to want this ground to be taken back and get active in keeping the ground that's been taken back. You see, it just won't happen. <clears throat> Land rarely gets captured from an enemy without a fight without a battle, without a struggle. <clears throat> so let me just give you an example of this. Let's think about fear. <clears throat> Someone who suffers from fear in a certain situation. They're maybe not a Christian, they're fearful of a situation. Then they become a Christian. They find themselves back in the same situation. They probably find that all the same fearful thoughts come flooding back to their minds. Because the truth is they haven't learned to renew their mind or their thinking in that situation. It doesn't mean they're not saved. It doesn't mean that Christ isn't, isn't able to change their thinking. It just means that in their thinking, that piece of territory has not been reclaimed, if you like, from the enemy. Because change really only comes when we start to see that that fear is based on a lie somewhere. That at the root of it... There is a lie, something we've believed about God, something we've believed about ourselves. It's a coping mechanism. It's a defense strategy often because every time we face that situation before, we weren't a Christian. We didn't know God. We didn't know his Holy Spirit. And so we've learned to cope with that fearful situation by all kinds of other mechanisms, maybe getting angry, maybe deflecting it, maybe burying our head in the sand, maybe running away. We've learned to cope with it, but at the middle of that coping is a lie that has now fundamentally changed because we're children of God. Do you understand that? Something has fundamentally changed, but what we haven't done is process that 
so that in the midst of that situation, when those fearful thoughts come flooding in, because Satan still thinks that's his territory, so he's still going to flood our minds with those fearful thoughts. What we haven't learned to do is to recognize, no, no, that's a lie from Satan. That's not true anymore. I am not helpless in this situation because I've got God with me. No, no, this thing is not going to define my life because I'm now defined by being a child of God. If we don't learn how to recognize the lie, and if we don't learn what the truth is, we have no way of hitting the thing back over. It's like two people are playing tennis. The devil's at one end with a racket. We're at the other end without a racket. And he lobs over the ball, and we go like that. And poof, the ball goes past. It's like we haven't learned to pick up the racket and to whack that ball back over. In a way, that's it. it's like... It's like we end up becoming in a sword fight and the devil's got a sword and we haven't got one. And he says, come on then. And I, we haven't got a sword. And he just goes, oh. there, there is a sword. There is something that we can pick up and that we can knock away his sword. It's the truth of God. It's who we now are. But if we don't learn to pick up that sword, if we don't learn what that is, we're never going to be able to defeat him. He's just going to stand there stabbing you and me. Until we learn to pick it up. Until we learn to fight. And this is what we're going to look at as we go through this series. So let's just look at how this transformation kind of actually happens. A key verse in all this is Romans 12, verse 1 and 2, especially verse 2. It says this, Therefore I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. Do not be conformed to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you'll be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing and perfect will. I want to just take two uh, parts, really, of that second verse. The first one being this idea that the renewing of the mind is a gradual process. Be transformed by the renewing of the mind. The original Greek word there is something like metamorpho, from which we get this word metamorphosis, which gives us a clue. It's about the changing of one thing to another over a period of time, and that's what needs to happen with our thinking. It's going to take some time and it's going to take some being active if we're going to remove all the wrong thoughts that we had from all those years when our mind was veiled and dark and separated from God. We're going to have to take them all out and we're going to have to replace them with the truth that God speaks. So it involves understanding what God thinks it's going to involve you and I taking ground in what we think. It's going to involve you and I making sure that we don't allow the lies of Satan to come into our minds. And that if any lie does get in, that we send it on our, its way. We, we, we probably can't stop some of those thoughts coming, but we can stop them landing. And we can, we can kick them out once they come in, but we're going to have to be active with it. Sometimes this fact that the renewing of the mind is a gradual process, I think sometimes helps us to understand our own lives and other people's lives better. Because supposing 
you're a Christian, you've been a Christian for years, been baptized in water, you've been filled with the Spirit, you're going to life group, you come to church, you, you give prophetic words or in other, you know, other gifts of the Spirit, and, and, and to all intents and purposes, doing, doing great. And yet somehow in your mind, there are a whole load of things going around in there that aren't great, that you don't want going on in there. See, the truth is you can, you can, you can be experienced lots of things of the life of God and be fully involved in a church, and yet in your mind there can be a whole load of thoughts that shouldn't be there, that you don't want there, And the answer is because this renewing of the mind is both a gradual process, so it's going to take some time, but also it only comes if we give ourselves to understanding and applying the foundational principles set out in the Bible for transforming our thinking. Are you with me? If we don't apply ourselves, if we don't give ourselves to both understanding and doing what the Bible says we need to do to see our thinking transformed, then our thinking won't get transformed. And what will happen is we will just be a Christian year after year after year, and we might be doing the stuff outwardly, but our mind is not actually ever changing. Because for our minds to change, we need to apply and understand these biblical truths. And so maybe there are thoughts of anger or lust, or maybe they're dominated by fear, Maybe people are ashamed that these thoughts are going round in their heads. Maybe they're easily condemned by the devil. Maybe opinionated. Maybe cynical. I talk to some Christians. They don't like the way that they think about this or that. They know that it's wrong, but it is the reality. And I want to say to you, as I'm listing these things, if it's you, then I want to say the starting point for having our minds transformed is actually admitting that there's an issue. Not trying to think that we think better than we do. God knows how we think. And what he wants to come and do is to show us how we think. And show us the lie that sits behind how we think. Because he wants to bring transformation and he wants to bring freedom. So in a way it's okay to think these things but it's not okay to leave it. It's not okay to leave it. God doesn't want us just to leave our messed up thinking. He wants to come and deal with it, but that may take some time, and it will definitely take us being open to God speaking to us, and then us doing something about it. So that's the first part of that verse. The second part is all about not being conformed, but by being transformed. The biggest promise that Christians are given in Scripture, apart from being saved and going to heaven, is that we will think differently. That actually, we are those whose thinking won't be moulded by the world, won't be shaped by what the world thinks. See, if you and I don't think how the world thinks, we will stand out, we will be different, because the world wants to conform people's thinking. It wants to shape what people think and how people think. Social media, people want to blog because they want to shape and change how people think, sometimes for good and sometimes, I think, not for good. But, you know, Christians are not those who are different. 
because we might look different or go to church on a Sunday or like different music. We're not different because we might have a better moral code than anybody else, because truth is we may not. The Bible says we are fundamentally different because we no longer have to think how the world thinks. We no longer have to conform to the pattern of how the world is thinking. Basically, in Christ, you don't have to think like everybody else thinks. People who are not Christians, I think they often think they are free thinkers. I'm a free thinker. Nobody conforms me to how I think. I'm a free thinker. The Bible says, really, they're like people in a dark room. They think they can see, but they can't see anything. They think they can see, but they can't see. They think they're deciding for themselves, but behind the scenes, the enemy is keeping them in darkness. He's given them the illusion that they're free. He's given them the illusion that they can do what they like. They can live a free life. But really, they are like people living in a, in a dark world with no lights on. And they're walking around in darkness, walking towards hell, going, we're free. We can do what we like, think what we like. Come on, we're free. The Bible says, no, they're not free. They're in darkness, utter darkness. When you become a Christian, for the first time, you can actually be free to think what God wants you to think. It's like, for the first time, the light goes on. For the first time, truth comes in and you are actually able to see it and choose what you want to do about it. I put this little thing in your notes that just says about, if you like, this pattern that kind of links our thoughts to our lifestyle. And it starts off with the fact that our thoughts lead to our actions, what we do, and our actions lead to our behaviour, which is kind of the actions that we repeat. And our behaviour leads to our character. Things that we keep doing, in a sense, is what we become like. And our character determines our lifestyle. When you look at your life overall, the things you give yourself to, your heart to, things you think about, things you put your passion, your time in, that's your lifestyle. Thoughts lead to actions, actions lead to behaviour, behaviour leads to character, character leads to lifestyle. Now if I said to you that it's possible to change how you think, it's possible not to think angry, lustful, selfish, self-pitying kind of thoughts. Think what a difference that would make to your behaviour, to your character and to your lifestyle. The renewing of the mind is about transformation. You and I can be different, but what we can't do is just try very hard to act different. Even if trying very hard to act different is, and we're trying to act really good, it really doesn't work. You can really act really good for a really short space of time, and then you kind of don't act really good anymore. To act as God wants us to act, there's got to be a genuine transformation on the inside, and that starts with our thinking it starts with what's going on in this precious piece of ground between our two ears. See, when people become Christians, we come with a load of baggage. We come with a load of mess. We don't get it sorted and then we come to Jesus. If we had to sort our mess out and then come to Jesus, we'd never come to Jesus. Which means there's always going to be a load of mess in the church. Praise God. Which Jesus is helping us to clear up. And the baggage, the mess that comes with us, that needs transforming, often comes from things like our past, comes from things like trauma, comes from things like our upbringing, maybe abuse 
Maybe someone's done things to you that they shouldn't have done, or maybe they've not done things for you that they should have done. Maybe there's unforgiveness in your heart. Maybe you are doing habits of things that are not helpful. Maybe you're addicted in some way. I just want to say to you, whatever the baggage is that you sit here with this morning, there is no there is no area of your life, there is no item of baggage that the gospel cannot transform. That Jesus Christ cannot change. There's no area of baggage in your and my life that Jesus does not want to come and transform before we get to heaven. There's nowhere that's off limit to him if we will let him. There's nowhere that's too difficult for him if we will let him. Let me just run through very quickly for you some ways that this transformation takes place. We'll look at some of them more as we go on over this course. There are sometimes power encounters where the Holy Spirit just does something in a moment and people are set free. Sometimes it's just obedience. We read something in the Word of God. It says, believe and be baptised. So we get baptised. Sometimes transformation just comes as we learn simple obedience. Sometimes it's about deliverance. The devil and his demons have got us in a grip and we can't get out of it and God just wants to come and set us free. Then there are a whole load of things which I suppose I call truth encounters, which means we need God's particular light to shine in a particular dark area of our thinking. Maybe it's just to understand the whole message of the grace of God. That actually, you and I didn't choose God if you're a Christian here. For some reason, God chose to lavish his love on us. For some people, that is a life-changing truth revelation. Because it stops them striving all the time to try and please God. Maybe it's understanding that the church is not something we come to on a Sunday morning, but it's now we're part of God's family. I'm in a family. These are my brothers and sisters. Sometimes it's that kind of revelation. For some people, it's the truth that God is now our father. He's not an angry head teacher waiting to call us in and smack us. He's a loving father who actually wants the best for us, even if that means confronting difficult things in our life. So there are lots of ways that God can bring transformation, but I think in each one of them, God wants, to, wants us to think right about them. He, 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 he wants to change how we think. He wants to engage our minds so that we understand what's happening. I think sometimes I speak to Christians and they kind of just let God do it all and, and, and set me free, right? I don't want to think about it. Just pray a magic prayer over me and let me be free and I can then walk away happy. Let me tell you, you will walk away happy, but tomorrow or in a week's time, the devil will come and he'll trip you up again. And if you don't understand what God did, you'll be, you'll be back in prison. Does that make sense? God wants to engage us in our minds, even if he sets us free from things instantly. He still wants us to think right so that the next time we're in that kind of situation, we're able not to fall into the devil's schemes, not to fall into the same trap. So in this series, the word battle is there because this is a battle. We have an enemy who wants to stop us read this stuff. So I want to encourage you, over the next couple of months, please be honest. Please be actively involved. Please be engaged. Don't be passive. It's so dangerous to be passive. I'm all right. I'm all right. Life's not too bad at the moment. I'll have a latte, a piece of cake. Life's all right. 
Because once Christians get passive, what the enemy does, he says, crack on, crack on, crack on, one month, two month, three month, bang. Now I'll take them out. Because they got passive. So don't be passive. Be active. It, let, let God, allow God, invite God, ask God to come and speak to you if there is anything like this going on in your head or in your heart. So let me just ask, what clutters your mind? Is it full of fear, anxiety, lust, self-pity, judgment, unforgiveness, drivenness, perfection, selfishness? We can be transformed from those things by the word of God and the power of the Holy Spirit. We can be, and God wants us to be. And we have a choice. We can either stay where we are and keep struggling with them, or we can apply these truths, work with God, and change. But let me tell you, there are no quick fixes. There's no pain-free paths. There's few instant changes. There's few quick wins. I think where the transformation of the mind is concerned, this is an advertising executive's nightmare. But genuine transformation is possible by the grace of God if we will allow the Spirit of God to work in our lives. There is a battle going on right now, probably right now there is a battle going on for the control of our mind between the God and the devil. And the question is, who do you want to win? Who do we want to win? The devil thought, used to own this bit of us, and he still thinks he does. Jesus now owns this bit of us, and he does. But our daily victory, our daily walk as Christians depend on who is actually going to control this piece of ground in the day-to-day -day reality of life. And I think that if we don't do anything, it's a bit like putting a skip outside the front of your house. For one or two days, it may stay empty. But after a week, it will be full of all rubbish. As everybody comes and dumps their rubbish in it. If we don't get active about this stuff, the devil will come and fill our minds with all kinds of rubbish and lies. This is where the battle is. This is where it starts, in our minds. In John 13, Jesus said, Now that you know these things, you'll be blessed if you do them. And, and my prayer for these next number of weeks is that we would ask God to show us any area in our thinking or in our lives that at the moment the enemy is winning on, that is in a cage. And my prayer then would be that as a church we would engage with God and we would genuinely be set free. Genuinely set free. Not just nicer on a Sunday morning, not just happier for a few days, but that God would genuinely change us. So I want to ask you right now, can I ask you just to close your eyes? And I'm going to ask the Holy Spirit to come and show us if there are any areas of our life that is in a cage right now. And if you want to say amen, yes, Lord, please do that, then ask him. And if you don't, then don't. But I'm going to ask for those who want to ask. Holy Spirit, we ask you right now, I ask you right now, for myself and my brothers and sisters here who are wanting it, would you shine your light and shine your truth into our hearts and into our minds 
and show us any areas of our lives that are currently in a cage, that are currently controlled by the enemy, where currently we are not thinking right about. I want to invite you, if there is a particular area uh, that the Holy Spirit's highlighted, you don't need to tell anybody, but I just want to invite you to stand up uh, where you are, because I just want to pray that God would come and speak to us and speak into our hearts and help us now and help us over the coming weeks to be free of it. So if that's you, if there's any area, then I just want to invite you to stand up now. Holy Spirit, we acknowledge before you these things in our life, in our thinking, that are not right, where we're not thinking as you want us to be thinking. And we ask you right now, would you come? Would you set us free? Would you change our thinking? Would you show us any steps that we need to take in order to be set free and to think right. If there are things that we need to do, people we need to forgive, scriptures we need to learn, things that we need to stop doing, things that we need to start doing, we say, Holy Spirit, would you show us the road to freedom, the way to genuine transformation, and we ask if there are such a stronghold that we need you to come and do something that only you can do to set us free, to even be able to start to walk down that road. I pray by your Holy Spirit, would you come now, Lord Jesus, and set people free? Would you change how we think? Would you change what we think about? We say, Lord, we don't have another plan. We don't have another way. We're trusting in you. So we ask that you come by your power. In Jesus' name.